Today's episode is from a speech I gave to a mastermind group last week. You're going to learn about the superpower of gratitude and how Will Smith and Chris Gardner actually got it wrong. There's no pursuit of happiness. Sorry. Tweet me at David Meltzer your favorite part from today's episode and check the show notes to see how you can contact me at any time. This is Entrepreneurs the Playbook. Really what I want to highlight for people and the thing that really connected that got me to connect with you Dave is the fact that you have a very clear understanding of the balance between spirituality and living a life where it might be work, business, job, whatever it is for you and really understanding how to live a more uh, balanced life and the understanding and which which is particularly why I wanted you to come and do the be the expert of this final lesson which is on freedom the understanding of freedom because that's exactly why when I came up with my business name I thought being positive which is the original name be positive mindset but being positive definitely saved my life at a particular point saved me from going down that rabbit hole of uh, thinking my life was over and and potentially wanting to take my life. But I thought the one thing that I'm actually aiming for and the one thing that I know that I have a lot of is freedom. And uh, and that's what most people are searching for, right? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Very good. So, <laughs> so and I've and by the way, I've I've got everyone to get their pens and paper ready. Every time I have you on, I'm always my mind is usually blown because I think, <laughs> how does this man know so much? And it's so very well organized. And, uh, and I said, if anyone has got a question, just to keep it very brief, because we've got limited amount of time that we're going to be here uh, with Dave, or that Dave's going to be here with us. So what I'd love you to share, Dave, is, and I have kind of give some premise, you know, that, you know, back before 2008, your life was very different. The way that you operated, the way that you, uh, your foundations you built were very, very different to the way that you operate today. And I, I kind of, I, I, and I don't know the full context. I know you met with with Dr. Wayne Dyer, and uh, and that was uh, intri- uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. <laughs> Intricle, is that the right Integral, word? Yeah. Integral, sure. yeah. Integral, uh, yeah. In in building the right foundation for you moving forward. So, what is it for you? Like, what is what does freedom mean to you? Sure. You know, for me, understanding three things with freedom. One, understanding the three things I have control of, and so. Understanding what I have control of gives me freedom uh, because I can't find outside of me what I can't see inside of me. And so the number one thing we have control of is our mindset. I think so many people forget that we have control of our mindset. We're so worried about thinking about what other people think or thinking about what's missing or thinking about what we don't want. Uh, worrying uh, is just wishing for what you don't want. So that's one of the you know, pragmatic ways to know if you're wishing for what you don't want. If you worry a lot, that's all you're doing. But when you remind yourself, you have complete control of your mindset, that you give meaning to everything that you see, you're free. You're free. When you have complete control of your mindset, you're completely free. Nothing can create the interferences, the voids, the shortages, the obstacles between you and what already exists. Most people think they have to go get healthy, go get wealthy, go get happy. It's not true. You already are happy, healthy, and wealthy. You have to figure out mindset-wise, what are you doing to interfere with your health? What are you doing to interfere with your wealth? 
What are you doing to interfere with your happiness? And when you shift the paradigm of your perspective to take complete control, and so how do we take control of our mindset and create this freedom that we want to give meaning to everything we see? You know, in theory, giving meaning to everything we see sounds so great, but it's not that easy. And so we have to put these practices into place. And you talked about one of those practices, which is one of my superpowers, and that's just gratitude. How can gratitude be a superpower? I'll tell you it's a muscle more than even a superpower because gratitude's a muscle that enables you to find things. Gratitude allows you to find the greatest things in life. Number one, it allows you to find light. It allows you to find love and it allows you to find lessons. And in other words, that muscle enables you, it creates capabilities for you to love everything you do. Gratitude is a power. It's a superpower. I see Superman behind you. Uh, that, Brett, that if I could instill gratitude in everyone, you'd be able to take any circumstance, any person, any idea, and find the light, the love, and the lesson in it. In other words, learn to love it. I get very disappointed in people and tell me, oh, you know, I need to find my passion. I need to love what I do. I got to find something that I'm going to love. In varying degrees, you love everything you do in varying degrees. Some things are just easier to love. And so when someone tells me that they want to find something that they love to do, they're lazy. They're lazy. They won't allow the circumstances of convenience to provide an opportunity that has a low threshold of love to do. And it has nothing to do with the truth. The freedom of being able to give meaning to everything that you see allows you to learn to love whatever it is. I'll take an example. I hate it. Not to, you know, love and hate are so closely tied. In fact, when my three teenage daughters tell them, tell each other they hate each other, I screw up the whole circumstance by telling them, oh, my heart is singing. They're like, what? I'm like, I am so proud of you. They're like, what? I hate her. I'm like, oh, please say it again. They're like, dad, what are you talking about? I said, because you cannot hate something you don't love. I'm doing my job. If she's bugging you that much that you hate her, then you must really care about her. Because I know if you didn't care anything about her, whatever she said won't even bother you. But it really, and so, you know, looking and learning to love. What I hated when I was young was the trash. I grew up with five boys and a girl, and for some reason, being a middle child put me in the perfect position to always have to take the trash out. And for some reason, my mom thought I was perfectly equipped to take the trash out. She later on in life told me it was because she said I was too heavy for light work and too light for heavy work. So the trash fit perfectly <laughs> into those duties. Um, I didn't know if she was complimenting me or not. Uh, but when I went to college, it got worse because I was in a football fraternity and I was the smallest football player on the team. I weighed 147 pounds. So whenever there was trash to take out, uh, of course, they picked on the smallest person so i had to take if, if you thought six kids trash was nasty fraternity trash is like the nastiest trash so i always thought i hate trash i never want to take it out again then i get married have three daughters and literally trash was everywhere until i learned like you said you know i had these different shifts in my paradigm i learned to love activities and notice I said activities. Uh, people talk about work or vacation, occupation. 
I only talk about activities. I think we're all given 24 hours of man-made construct to be as active as possible. And we get to give meaning to all the activities that we participate in. And therefore gratitude, the superpower allows me to infuse light, love and lessons into everything that I'm active with activity. One of those activities was taking out the trash. So I decided to look at trash differently, to shift my perspective through gratitude. And I started looking how important it was to take out the trash and how my wife somehow equated me caring about her or illustrating or performing something, an activity that I didn't love for her as meaning I loved her more. So if I didn't take the trash out, it hurt her feelings that I didn't care about her. She had put that meaning into it. Well, then I started saying, whoa, if she's put that meaning into it, what an easy way to show I love her. Beats buying a diamond ring, I'll tell you that, uh, or jewelry. If that's all it takes, why am I so mad? This is just ridiculous. So I started, and then I started realizing not only did my wife attach some sort of emotional superpower to the trash, but my friends' wives. I'd be at the party and I'd say, whoa, can I take out the trash for you? Oh my gosh. Your husband's amazing. I want a husband like, I, I swear all of a sudden I got six times better looking too. They're like, he's so adorable. You know, meanwhile, no other woman ever even looked at me and all because of the trash. And then, you know, it's interesting. I started saying not only did they put this meaning into it that gives me benefit, but what if I put meaning into it that I want instead of punishment, right? Because when it was punishment, I'd swear at the trash. And you know, when, when you put that energy into it, if there's liquid in it, it would leak on me at the wrong time. If there was glass in it, it would cut me. If I got really upset, I'd throw it in there and then it'd spill everywhere and I have to do more work. So I decided, hmm, you know, if I'm gonna take the trash out so everybody loves me, which is pretty funny because it's the easiest way to have people love me and think I'm great. I, I was going about it the wrong way. I was working 16 hours a day. I was doing all these other things to prove my love. I didn't know it was so easy just to, to take the trash out. What if I gave it a different meaning? Besides adapting to what they think it means, what if I said, hey, this is a few minutes that I can think about what makes me happy. I can use it as a meditative practice, as meditative time. So I completely transform trash into this completely positive experience where I tell people all the time, I love taking the trash out because number one, people think I'm great. And two, I have time to get away from everybody, you know, and just think about what I want. It's selfish time. And I literally, here's my favorite thing because this is, I think the greatest lesson of freedom. Not only did all this occur, by changing the way I look at things, the things that I look at change, giving meaning to everything I see, seeing it as an activity, not as a punishment or an act, whatever it was. But the interesting thing, my energy changed about taking the trash out so much that my three teenage daughters who taking the trash out, the trash itself represented kryptonite to them, <laughs> right? If there was trash, it was kryptonite because I shifted my energy my middle child said to me, dad, do you want me to take that out for you? Why? Because my entire frequency shifted towards the trash. I had carried an energy about taking the trash that was so positive that it was the same way as a kid would see another kid jumping off the roof, having a great time into the pool and immediately like, hey, I wanna do that. They couldn't help themselves but say, wait a second, I wanna do that. 
because of my energy perspective and meaning that I gave it, because I'm in control of my mindset. The second thing to be in control of for freedom is I'm in control of my heart set. Now, what does that mean? I'm in control of the way I feel. Nobody can make you feel any way that, that you don't want to feel. Nobody. Nobody can make you feel a certain way. You're the only ones. Here's the problem. Most people think logic can free us from the way we feel. Most of us think logic can allow us to be free of our feelings or to adjust our feelings. Impossible. Impossible. So many people have wasted time, emotion, and energy sitting there going, let it go. Don't be so mad. She didn't mean it. Don't be hurt. Don't be offended. Don't, don't be oh, anxious. Don't worry. That's the best one, right? Don't worry. Don't worry. How much logic? Don't worry. This doesn't make sense. You shouldn't worry about it. And then what? You're still worried. You still feel worried because logic cannot free you from your feelings, but activities can. Pursuit, when you're in the pursuit of happiness, when you're in the pursuit of freedom, you're free and happy. I, my friend is Chris Gardner. He wrote the book, um, In the Pursuit of Happiness. They made a movie with Will Smith about it. I joke about all the time. I said, you screwed up, brother. He said, what are you talking about? I said, you wrote the wrong title to your book. He said, what are you talking about? I said, you should call it Happiness is the Pursuit. Happiness is, you cannot be unhappy when you're pursuing something. You can't. When you are in spirit, when you have a desire that you must be your higher self, your best self, when you have that desire, you are at your best. You are in peace, freedom, and happiness. We have to remind ourselves that activity, pursuit, is what will change the way we feel. And just like Einstein always said, nothing happens till you move. So I tell people all the time, if you don't know what to do to change the way you feel, then take yourself to your highest frequency, your higher self, or your biggest truth and love and freedom, which is what? To be of service. That's all it is. I, I can change the way everybody feels by allowing them to be of service. Even if it's not to someone, it's just picking up the trash outside or you know helping someone with their cart or putting a cart away or or cleaning something being of service that activity will change the way you feel immediately you cannot have interference between the truth and you between love light and lessons in you so don't even waste your time telling yourself not to worry do something good do a good deed help somebody smile hug somebody I promise you it'll change the way you feel. Or you can sit there all day long telling yourself, let it go. Don't worry. You shouldn't do that, right? Oh, she didn't mean it. I wish I had all that time, emotion, and energy back. I would be free of it. So our mindsets are in our control, which provides us freedom. Not just our heart set, our mindset. And then finally, to create freedom, we have to understand the conscious continuum. And the conscious continuum I believe has five daily practices of freedom. Uh, and because in order to have a mindset of freedom and a heart set of freedom, and I think everybody can agree that if you read, for example, Viktor Frankl, um, the meaning, right? Viktor Frankl, it's a wonderful we were, thing. We were talking about that today, just before you came on. Yeah. And I mean, if you're thinking freedom, right? He, he was one of the freest people in the world in the worst circumstances ever, right? He sought and found light and love in a 
a fish head in a dirty bowl of, of water. Uh, that is, if you can, you know, create, and this is, you know, what I'm pursuing is to be that strong in my mind, in my heart, my, my feelings. And the way that he did it is through consistent behavior, daily practices. Now I've created my own daily practices. I suggest that you uh, listen to other people's daily practices and pick which ones are best for you. Um, but for me, the key word to daily practice is daily in practice. Consistency is the most powerful tool in the world to be free because two minutes a day is worth more than two hours on a Saturday. And the way the conscious continuum works is that we have cellular memory that's really stupid. It's based off of five senses that are really stupid. And it has a very short-term ability, meaning it only can collect data when our eyes are open. Um, and it gets interfered with a lot with unstable data determined by what other people think, what's missing, our egos. There's so many different things that can, lack of sleep, lack of food. There's so many things that can disturb our, our cellular memory. Um, so what's the way that we counteract the inconsistency and the instability of the cellular memory, which is the only way we input data into the conscious continuum through a conscious level, and that's consistency. That's why I say two minutes a day is worth more than two hours on a Saturday. And so if you can be consistent, sooner or later, the stupidity of your cellular memory starts picking up and it creates stable data. And that's why it's so important to surround yourself with the right people, the right ideas. It's so important to cancel out negative thoughts, words, beliefs, that they don't get inputted around in, into your system. Well, once you do have that consistent behavior and input into your system, it goes into your subconscious. And imagine your subconscious is a brand new snow mountain. There's nothing on it. And when we have the same 40,000 thoughts in our subconscious, it's like a track first time, second time going down the exact same way, third time, the exact same way, fourth time, pretty soon you could go down blindfolded because the track's so deep in the snow, your skis are, this is what neural pathways are. And they're created through the same information. And they say that a neural pathway can be formed in 21 days. That's the minimum. Don't let, you know, that scientific point fool so many people because we have an unconscious, we have a quantum memory, DNA, we have an epigenetic, an epigenetic layer of DNA that creates personality traits, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions that they can prove are handed down from great-grandparents, grandparents, parents to us. I believe, and you guys may think I'm a wacko, I believe there's multiple lifetimes and it's inconceivable on what our quantum memory is. So I don't even try to figure it out. So I look for patterns in my personality, I look for patterns in my obsessions and addictions so that I know if there's that pattern there that I have a quantum memory that I'm gonna to have to spend a lot of time on. It's not just gonna be 21 days. So for example, if I have alcoholics throughout my family, uh, grandparents, great-grandparents, great, you know, that it's gonna take a lot more than 21 days to stop drinking. You know, according to those people out there that say it's only 21 days to create a habit, not true. That's the minimum that it takes to form one if you have no resistance created by your quantum memory. Um, and so through consistent behavior, 
we have this input of the cellular memory. And then if we keep on accessing it in our subconscious, reinforcing the ski tracks, it then starts sending a frequency to our quantum epigenetic layer, a DNA layer that starts activating what our potentials are. And we have all these varying potentials according to our life experiences, our genetics and our past life experiences, in my opinion. And so, for example, if David Meltzer wanted to pursue one of my potentials being to uh, dunk a basketball, it would take more than this lifetime. I would have to practice every day trying to dunk a basketball, working on my lady. And I probably, knowing my uh, physical ability, my potential, I probably could never do it. Uh, I worked really hard when I was young at it and I could get a tennis ball up to the rim. And so I'm thinking I just don't have quantum ability right now, but maybe my next lifetime, I would start at a higher level and be able to do that. And what happens and why that's important to me is part of freedom to me is managing, you talked about reconciling the spiritual and the pragmatic, is reconciling our quantum potential in this lifetime, reconciling it with what we want. So I'm gonna briefly go through these daily practices and why I believe beyond mindset, giving meaning to what I see, and heart set in control of my own feelings through activities, of being of service and of value to make sure I'm always clearing the interference between my health, wealth, and happiness and what I am, but also understanding the conscious continuum, how important daily practice is. Now I'm going to share with you my five, but these are mine and they work for some people. Adjust them if they don't work for you. My first daily practice, which I think is most important, is taking inventory of my own values. I call it I want to know my what. I'm not concerned about my why. I think most people cannot reconcile their spirituality, their passion, their purpose with profitability, pragmatic profitability, because they don't know what they want. And so every day I command, I work with the universe by telling it what I want. And the way that I feel that I know what I want is to take inventory of what I want. Meaning at the beginning of the day, I say to myself, what do I want personally? I want to be healthy. I want to be loved. I want to spend time with my kids. You know, whatever the personal values I have. Then secondly, I take inventory of what I want to experience. I want to climb a mountain. I want to do a paper. You know, I want to sit around and watch TV. What do I want to experience today? And then I ask myself, what do I want to give? What, what do I want to produce today, right? There's two ways to live a long life. One is to be productive. If you're productive every day and you know what you want personally and experientially and what you want to give, you'll live a very long life. The other way is to be miserable. And if you're miserable, you'll live a very long life. I suggest the first. The last thing and most important and hardest to take inventory of because of our egos is what do I want to receive today? See, most people don't understand guilt, worthiness, or ego-based consciousness. Most people don't wor feel worthy of anything and they don't like to ask or receive. They'll never set out an inventory of what they actually want because they feel bad about getting what they want. And the reason you feel bad about asking for what you want or getting for what you want is because you don't have a set forth plan of 
what you want personally, experientially, and what you want to give. Because if you take inventory of what you want personally, what you want to experience, and what you want to give to others, well, you can't give what you don't receive. And so you have no capability of getting what you want personally, experientially, or, or giving if you don't receive the things that you want to do those things with. And so by shifting the paradigm that you don't give to receive, you actually shift the paradigm with the proper intention you should receive to give. Everything should come through you for others with appreciation, gratitude, with forgiveness, with accountability. When you give through yourself, you live in a world of more than enough, more than enough of everything for everyone. You have complete confidence in everything that you have and do to come through you. And this is what allows us to have the foundation to figure out number two, what is your who? I'm sorry, know your who, meaning who has what I want because that's the fastest way to get it. The easiest way to get somewhere is to find someone that's in the situation you want to be in or find someone is where you're at or where you want to be and ask them for directions. So most people don't take the shortcut and find and know their who. So know your what, know your who, daily practice, then know your how. My how is very simple. It's a mathematical equation of luck. My how is always I'm going to pay attention to, focus in on, and give intention to what I think, say, do, believe, and understanding the quantum personality traits, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions. I'm going to take attention, add it to intention, and it will equal the coincidences I want. Know your how. Then know your now. I didn't understand what people meant by live in the present, be present, and then I reconciled, as Brett said, the pragmatic with the spiritual. Most woo-woo people will tell you, be present, bro. You know, I'm like, all right, be present. No idea what that meant. I do now because I reconciled with the pragmatic. Do it now. 100% of the things you do now get done. The difference between successful people and all other people is they get stuff done. In order to get stuff done, you have to ask yourself, can I do it now? If you know your what, your who, and your how, you will be able to prioritize your now by what to do. In other words, you won't procrastinate anything. You will either be in activity pursuing what you want according to your what, who, and how, your values, or you'll be prioritizing for a later time by placing it in your calendar or somewhere as a repository to prioritize by what's most important to you according to your what, your who, and your how, according to your values and inventory of those, instead of not doing it and increasing the statistical success that you'll never do it, never remember it, or never get it done creating void shortages and obstacles or interference between you and what you already are. Know your what, know your who, know your how, and know your why. Four daily practices that will give you freedom because not only do you have the freedom of mindset and heart set, but of your conscious continuum. The last thing is I have three more minutes I need to tell you is the most important. Know your why. The last practice I have, and it's last, it's not first, I don't seek my why. But I want to, after I take inventory of my what, my who, my how, and my now, I want to practice ending fear. That's how you find your why. You are connected to your why, as I stated previously. 
you are health, wealth, and happiness. In order to determine your why, you need to be in spirit. You need to clear the interference between you and the greatest light, love, and lesson, the greatest source of power that has ever existed. We are not afraid of not getting what we want. We are afraid of what we already have. We are afraid to liberate others with the light that we've been given. It's extraordinary. We need to practice ending fear. And I break it down to not just knowing ego, the flight, the feed, the fight, or the other F word that Gary Vee says a lot uh, means procreate. Um, I don't need to use those negative energies. So, but it does, you guys get what I'm talking about. But here's what happens when you're in ego-based emotion. When you're in Freudian fear, the primary fear, most people don't realize this. Blood, when you're in fear, the primal fear, blood goes from your brain into your body so you can fight, you can flee, you can feed, right? It's all physical. Well, what happens is we have all these triggers that we're unaware of that create the, the primary fear, the need to be right, the need to be offended, the need to be separate, the need to be inferior, the need to be superior, the need to be angry, frustrated, worried, guilty, resentful, all these needs, they're triggers to take the blood out of our brain. And then we're reacting in a physical manner to a higher intelligent process. And we're wondering why we do stupid stuff. We wonder why we accelerate in the wrong direction, in the wrong trajectory, and end up where we don't want to be, where other people want us, where we're missing or what we don't want. Because you're thinking without the blood in your brain because you haven't seen the triggers. So you need to one, identify your triggers. When, if you, that's why I meditate in the morning, I find my baseline. So instead of having to figure out, do I have a need to be guilty, resentful, worried, anxious? I just know I'm not at my highest frequency from meditation. I immediately stop. Most people want to resist it, but remember resisting it is fight, flee, feed, or the other F word, don't resist. Because you'd be trying to use the brain with no blood and the brain with no blood is a really, it's stupider than the cellular memory. It is really a negative thing. So instead, stop and breathe. Drop to your higher self, your center. Breathe for 90 seconds or so. I call it the six breaths of Buddha. It'll get me to about, let the blood come back into the source of intelligence that's going to be utilized for your higher level of thinking to recognize your what, your who, your how, and your now to make critically great decisions for yourself to roll in the right direction. In other words, as I conclude, when you are an ego-based consciousness, your mind, your body and soul, your mindset, your heart set and conscious continuum are on fire. And everybody knows when you're on fire, you got to stop, you got to drop, and you have to roll. If you wanna live a free life and manifest everything you desire rapidly and accurately, then remind yourself you have control of your mindset, of your heart set, and your conscious continuum. And with your own daily practices, you will live in an abundant world, not in shortages of being a victim where everything happens to you, not in a world of just you, a scarce world where you buy things you don't need to impress people you don't like, but a world of infinity and limitlessness, a world of everything for everyone, a world of abundance of more than enough of everything for everyone to come through you with appreciation for everyone else. 
I appreciate the time here. If anyone needs anything, reach out to me, david at dmelter.com. I am very available, happy to help all of you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode in any way or found any value, screenshot it, share it, however you like. My only ask is you help me empower others to empower others to be happy.